Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Fit and Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, you could, of course, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you choose to digest your weekly NFL podcast. Dan Wolkenstein, I don't think that the term special guest is a good enough term to really describe what is about to take place on our show today. I I know I may be hyping that up, but to Dan and I, this is a very special guest today. Um, and I know that we laud that a lot when we have special guests on this show. But we truly believe that this was is going to be a great treat for all of our listeners out there. Um, before we get into that real quick, Dan and I, obviously, it's it's hard to talk about sports sometimes, especially when you have tragedies that is currently taking place uh, earlier this week in Texas with the mass school shooting that, that took place. And Dan and I just wanted to take a quick second to send our condolences and our prayers to all of the loved ones that lost their, their children, their family members earlier this week in just a absolutely horrible situation. Yeah, it, it, it's heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. It's sad. Uh, and as much as you want to say, I can't believe it. it, this happens too often. And I hope I hope that this can help instill change, but at minimum, I do want to you know offer condolences, thoughts and prayers to everyone. I know thoughts and prayers aren't going to do much, but it's all I can do right now as we continue to figure out what we can do as a country to kind of come together and to, to heal. Um, but as much as it pains us to talk about, we do have a role to at least try to you know, bring some joy and maybe give folks a second to not think about that. And with that, I think it is exciting for us to have the special guests and maybe this is giving some kind of uh, ability for folks to kind of get away from reality for a second. And so uh, with that, we did want to just kind of acknowledge it, uh, explain kind of where we are in the situation and, you know, we're all in this together. Um, But without further ado, Jake, I think it is time. Uh, It is no hyperbole. I think this is probably my most anticipated guest that we have had. I would probably argue probably the same for you. Um, we've had a ton of great ones, but the amounts of knowledge and expertise and insight that we are going to have from our guest today uh, cannot be paralleled by many, if any. So, Jake, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our special guest on Chargers Unleashed. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to Chargers Unleashed. Let me tell you, we have an amazing show lined up for you today as we have a special guest who could arguably have the most knowledge about the NFL and your Los Angeles Chargers. NFL draft expert, NFL scout, former, co-host of Move the Sticks podcast alongside of Bucky Brooks, Chargers radio play-by-play announcer, the ace of all trades in this industry. Daniel Jeremiah joins on the show. Talk a little Chargers football. DJ, welcome to Chargers Unleashed. Thanks for hopping on. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. First of all, I have that NFL 100 book over your shoulder. I'm looking over nice. Jake's shoulder, and I'm trying. To I got see. I got a whole mixture of things. Yeah, what's the games? What's the is it games within so, the game? What is that one? So yeah, it's Jaworski's book, Games Within a Game. Okay, um, and then I've got books down here that you can't unfortunately see, but they're up yeah. there. The, the Super Bowl Gold Book. 
That's the other good. Side, solid. So. Solid. Nice work. That's good shelving. That's good shelving Thank right you. there. Thank you. We learned from the best. We learned from the best. How's uh, how's everything going for you? Were you able to get some R&R after all the draft stuff? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, Baseball comes around at the perfect time for me because – and baseball is not for everybody, but it's such a chill, like, relaxing – sport where it's not you know you come off the intensity for me my intense season with the draft and all the work that goes with that and then it's just like sit down on a couch and just like watch baseball and i'm like okay it's like i feel my heartbeat like kind of slowing down as we go so all the things that people complain about baseball for me it's like just the right time for me to kind of kind of relax a little bit as we start to ramp back up over the summer and get excited for training camp it looked like the recruiting efforts your recruiting efforts for the friars is coming along very nicely yeah, I got I had Siciliano down there last night. I've been to four Padre games though, and they're zero and four in the games I've been to. So I'm, I'm beginning to think they're going to have like a picture of me up when I come into the ballpark, and you're like, nope, you're not. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, maybe not that's allowed. a sign. Maybe that's a sign. <laughs> yeah, not, not not good. No, no. But hey, for as uh, relaxed as you were, um, it is kind of ramping up now when it comes to all things NFL, little Chargers stuff, obviously. Uh, getting into OTAs, going into preseason here shortly. Ton of stuff we want to get into with you today. Yeah. Obviously, we'll talk about the Chargers roster and some additions. Justin Herbert, does revamp defense, kind of how this team did this year's NFL draft, empowering Derwin James even, as well as some expectations for this year. But let's just kind of kick this off with what Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley kind of had to accomplish this offseason. Huge, lots of question marks, lots of pressure, kind of make or break offseason, it felt. The 2021 season ended in a heartbreak. Lots of talk about what they were going to do this offseason, what they needed. In your opinion, DJ, what were some of the key things the team needed to prioritize going into the offseason? And how did the team do in terms of just addressing those needs? Like, is there anything you feel they missed out on? Well, it's a great question. And I think I I really, I I enjoyed the way they approached this thing. And I'll give Tom a lot of credit for it. Because if you looked at this team a couple years ago, and you could have said, you know, point out the, the roster flaws or the holes that need to be filled. I think a lot of times uh, team builders will say, okay, I'm going to, in one offseason, I'm going to solve all these problems and I'm going to take all my money, all my resources, I'm going to evenly spread them out all over the roster. Then you know what you're left with? You're, you're left with guys that two years from now, you already have to replace because they weren't, they just weren't quite good enough. Maybe better than what you had. Maybe that makes that group a little bit better, um, but they're not winning players. And I think what they did last offseason is they said, okay, you know, we might have some issues here or there. Offensive line is our narrow focus. We are going to solve that problem right now. And they went out and did it with, with the draft combined with free agency and revamped that whole group. Um, and, and okay, you're in good shape. Now, in this offseason, before they got to the draft, they said, okay, you know, Brandon is, is a defensive guy. We tried, you know, last year just trying to make it work with what we had. Now he knows what fits him and what doesn't fit him. But man, we're going to take our free our free agency resources, our trade resources, you know, in terms of draft picks, and we're going to go out and solve the defense. And I thought they really aggressively did that. Which, when they got by the time they got to the draft, I thought they were in a pretty good spot where you can say, "Hey, we're just going to take you know what we feel is like is the best available player." So I, I agree wholeheartedly with the way they approached it. Got it. And specifically looking at kind of J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack and Sebastian yeah. Joseph Day, like how do you see those two like tactically? Like how do you see those those three, I guess, impacting how Staley is able to implement this kind of defensive scheme that everyone has kind of been talking about and kind of how he got his name to fame? 
Well, I think when you kind of look at the guys up front and, you know, you had a couple quality defensive tackles, so Austin Johnson in there as well. So they've got guys that can hold up against the run, but guys that have some athleticism and some range to be able to play laterally. So I, I think those are the, you know, those are the guys that fit this defense well. And then when you look at what they can do with Mac now, I know everybody's going to talk about Mac and Bosa, you know, rushing the quarterback, but to me, Max going to put you in so many long third down situations because he might be the best edge setting, you know, uh, player in the NFL. Like he just annihilates tight ends and tackles at the point of attack in the run game. So he's going to buy you more opportunities. You guys know when you watched the team last year. I mean, how many times were you just staring at third and twos and third and threes and you don't get to cut Joey Bosa loose in, in those scenarios. So now they're going to be so much better on those early downs, which now is going to lead to Mac getting to put his pass rusher hat on to go opposite of Bosa. You've got some more athletic interior guys now that can rush. I think Tillery will be freed up, you know, where he can just go inside and rush in sub situations where he'll be good. And then now, okay, we, we figured out we got him in long yard situations. We've got, you know, you know, complimentary rushers that can get to the quarterback. Now we need guys that can take it away. Um, and I think when you look at what they did at the corner position with JC, you look at the draft and what they did, which I'm sure we'll get to that as well. You know, Woods, I think had six picks last year, goes to senior bowl, has another pick like he's a ball hawk. So you can kind of see the plan. It, sometimes with these teams, you kind of come into the offseason, you come out of it and you're like, OK, we did a lot of stuff. But like, what was the discernible plan here? Um, I felt like they absolutely had a plan that they followed. Love it. So looking at kind of how the, the Chargers roster has been built, and it's been a few years now with Brandon Staley, they kind of seem like they had to revamp and retool or overhaul almost the entire offense outside of Justin Herbert. Like, how would you assess the work Tom Telesco has done in terms of just like building a complete and competitive roster? Well, I think you, you know, a lot of times when you have, um, you know, young quarterbacks, it really is helpful in terms of weapons to surround them with more veteran players who have seen more things and they can help him through kind of the growth process. And then as you get older, um, then, okay, you can allow some of maybe the veterans to move on. You can incorporate more young guys around him and let, you know, Justin kind of, you know, raise those guys up. I think they did a nice job to kind of break him into the league. When you have Keenan, you know, you start first right there and you have Mike, you've got two young veteran guys with a lot of experience. And I think that has helped Justin get going. I think the exciting part of that process now is you're going to see it, you know, with, some, with Josh Palmer and some of these other younger players that they're going to bring into the mix. Justin's gotten to the point now where he's going to be able to teach them and and, and elevate their level of play. So uh, I thought they were smart with how they've done that. I think if you look at a lot of the young quarterbacks that have struggled in the league, you've got young quarterbacks thrown to a bunch of young receivers, and there's just you need that little veteran component. It's a great segue there, Daniel, because I was going to get into Justin Herbert here. And just going all the way back to week two in 2020, seeing him set foot on the field under those circumstances in Kansas City. Yeah. And fast forward now two years of what he's done in his rookie season, following that up with what he did in 2021. Justin Herbert's been nothing short of spectacular in his first two seasons as an NFL quarterback. But from your perspective, especially just being you know, calling the play-by-play -play, and then, of course, being on the NFL Network and dissecting some of this. What is it about Justin that sets himself apart from other quarterbacks that you've covered or studied? And in your opinion, how would you rank him among the best in the league right now? Well, I can say, you know, you can you can argue and, and debate, you know, who those top three or four guys are. He's in every discussion, no matter who you are, what your opinion is. He's in, he's in that discussion as the best guy. And the uh, way I explain it to people is, would I trade him for anybody? No, there's no, there's nobody I would, there's no other quarterback in the league I would trade him for. And I can say, okay, we can, 
you know, we can split hairs and we can talk, you know, Josh Allen or we can talk, you know, Burrow was kind of the young guy, obviously Mahomes and what he's done and established himself. But when I look at Herbert, you can make a strong case that he is the, the one you would choose to build around because of the prototype stuff that he has. I mean, Josh Allen would be the other one that has that, just the, the size, the arm strength, the athleticism. But the on-schedule plus off-schedule combo, and that was like when you go back to him at Oregon, you know, okay, like, man, he did really good kind of on schedule. And there was just, you know, okay, I don't know how much playmaker does he have in him, you know, like he's so structured. And when you, you, you know, his background, how dang smart he is, you're like, okay, he can see everything, knows where it's supposed to go, make good decisions. But in the, in the chaos, like, how's he going to be functioning in that chaos? And oh my gosh, like he's, I mean, we, we could, I could show you a zillion plays from his NFL career where he's just made unbelievable uh, things happen in, in the midst of that chaos. So when you have somebody that's that big, that athletic, that strong, and then you add in the the intelligence, the work ethic, which, you know, you talk to guys in the building, like he's there all the time. So all that stuff is off the charts. You've got the on schedule. You've got the off schedule. Like, tell me where, tell me where you're wanting there. Like, like, tell me what the hole is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Now, fast forward, obviously, just getting past draft season now. The Chargers did a lot to obviously beef up the offensive and defensive lines through the draft. You add a lot of secondary depth pieces that they were really struggling with last year that they got exposed to due to injury. But looking at the entire draft class as a whole... You know, a lot of people would say it maybe wasn't the sexiest draft out there, but you found very capable starters in your first three picks, found some nice depth pieces, uh, and even possibly sleeper picks, as according to some of them that were on your big board. But just assessing it, is there a player that you feel that may have a bigger impact on this team than maybe folks are ex- uh, maybe not expecting? Oh, from the rookies, from the current rookies? Yes. I mean, I'm a JT Woods guy. He's one of my favorites, and we just talked about him. But it... Guys that take the way take away the ball in college usually take it away in the NFL. He's got really really good instincts. So you know the knock on him is he's not 215 pounds, so he's a little bit slight, but he's got he ran in the four three, so you got ridiculous uh, size speed. You've got the instincts which lead to the ball production. Uh, you know he's got the track background, so this is like an elite level athlete. And then I always love the fact when you take these guys and you, you go to the Senior Bowl down there during that week and you get kind of the best of the best of that senior class. And he stood out. And I, I remember just kind of being like, what, what what, am I missing? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, why is there no heat or buzz on him when I talk to friends around the league? And they're just – I felt like it was a, a tremendous value pick for the Chargers. And I think for what they want to do um, – and, I mean, I, I think this is kind of a popular conversation of how you use Derwin going forward and, and where he's at his best because he can do everything. To me, when, you, when you're going to be able to put two high safeties behind him with Adderley and JT Woods, and you can let Derwin kind of be that nickel linebacker, which I would imagine probably next to Drew Tranquil, and let him match up with Kelsey when you play the Chiefs underneath, be able to blitz him more, buzz him underneath stuff, and just be a nuisance. Like To me, that's where this defense is going to be at its best. Another tremendous segue, obviously. I was going to actually ask you about uh, Derwin James. You know, we all have seen what a chess piece he has been and how valuable he is to this team since he set foot uh, with the Chargers in 2018. And you tweeted about it last week, just talking about how excited you were to see Derwin play, given the fact that Staley has invested, like he did in Herbert in 2021, he's invested in putting pieces around Derwin this year. Can you elaborate, and you kind of touched on it there a second ago, can you elaborate as far as your expectations for how this team's going to utilize him? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's being able to let him play down low. And, you know, I put my quarterback hat on and I say, okay, I'm coming up to the line of scrimmage and I've got to play against the Chargers. Like, 
where would I not want to see Derwin James? You know, first of all, I'd prefer to see him on the sideline, but let's provided he's on the field, I want him as far away from me as possible. Because once he gets closer to the line of scrimmage, now I have it's a guessing game of where he's gonna go, what he's gonna do. If you want to get if he want if you want to send him, I mean he's gonna he he is so dynamic and so explosive, and he's gonna overpower your back. So if you're if you're provided you're gonna leave your back in there and think he's gonna block Derwin James, it's not gonna happen. Um, tight ends, he's going to be a major problem. Oh, yeah, by the way, if, if I see him rolled up on one side and I check a run the opposite way, he can suck it up and run it down from the backside. So that, to me, is where I think he's the most valuable and where he can be the most impactful. And I think what they've done roster-wise is going to allow them uh, to use him a little bit more up in that role. So uh, that's kind of how I think of it. I think also like the analogy of you know if you're a point guard in a basketball game and you're playing a team that presses, like – after a while, just like, oh my gosh, these guys are, he's picking me up 90 feet again. Like I got, it's just, that's what it's like. That's the pressure that Derwin can put on a quarterback and on an offense when he's near the line of scrimmage. We're talking to Daniel Jeremiah here on Chargers Unleashed. Let's talk about head coach Brandon Staley here for a second. Uh, yeah. He's come into this team with kind of a different feel at that coaching position. This is a whole new vibe that we kind of haven't seen since like the Marty Schottenheimer days. And even then, it's still kind of a different vibe in terms of energy. And even as like a rookie head coach, he was criticized a bit about come some of his you know fourth down decisions and how aggressive he was, especially late in the year. He came out earlier this week and, and explained kind of the idea of that, like things aren't happening to him for the first time anymore. And that he feels mm-hmm. a bit more comfortable and in a better rhythm than he was last year. In your opinion, how do you feel or what do you feel that Brant Staley has brought to the team? And where do you kind of expect that he will make improvements going into his second year? Well, I think you you mentioned a couple words. I just wrote them down. I mean, when you think about the edge and and then the energy that he brings, like that's there every single day. Uh, um, when you have a, a coach that shows up that is that passionate about everything, it can't help but be contagious. So, I mean that that that's where you start. Forget all you know the X's and O's, and you know he's kind of a part of this defensive wave that's taken over the NFL. He's right at the forefront of of what everybody else is trying to, to mimic and to copycat. So he's up there in terms of the X's and O's where you need to be. But I just think in, in a league of parity, which the NFL is designed to be, you know, energy, energy and edge, those can be X factors for teams. And I, I really do believe that because, you know, it's a long season. And when when Coach Staley treats a Wednesday practice in the middle of the season like it's the first day of school, like it's just, you know, that 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 matters and that counts. So that's what he brings. And I think it's kind of cool. You know, he talked about not going through everything for the first time, you know, knowing he's going to have a better sense now of kind of when to maybe push, maybe when to back off, uh, you know, the times to be aggressive, maybe some other times where, you know, it, it doesn't call for that. You don't know that until you go through it and you make all those decisions. He made hundreds and hundreds of decisions. And knowing how detailed and organized he is, he's I guarantee he's cataloged all of them. Um, and he's taken this time in the offseason to to learn from whatever mistakes he may have made. But uh, when you have a when you have a coach that's that energetic and that confident, I don't see how it doesn't have an impact and spread throughout not just your your players, but really throughout the whole organization. Now, now, looking at the 2021 class, you know, outside of Pro Bowl slash All Pro season that Rashawn Slater had, which yeah. still don't know how he got to us at 13. But based on what you've seen from the likes of Asante Samuel Jr. or Josh Palmer, maybe another guy from that class, which do you see from that class two years ago having kind of the biggest chance of like a second year breakout bump season? Well, some interesting names. I'm just kind of 
pulled it up and looking through some of the other ones. You know, McKitty, I'm curious to see what McKitty's role is going to be. You know, obviously, you had a reputation as a blocker. I think he's got more to offer in the passing game um, than, than what we've seen so far. Obviously, you can get a huge opportunity there. It's a pretty deep room. Um, but I think his role continues to kind of grow a little bit. He's going to earn more opportunities, you know, catching the football as opposed to just running the ball. Um, I really think Nick Neiman can be a Pro Bowl special teamer. So, I mean, he was already playing at a very high level there last year. You know, does he, you know, continue to to grow? I think that's probably another year of that. And then we'll see where his role on the defensive side of the ball, you know, goes from there. Uh, kind of going through the rest of that list. I mean, those. I mean, you hit on the you hit on the big ones there at, at the top. I mean, I think between Asante Samuel and Josh Palmer, those guys are going to be basically starters. I mean, obviously Asante is a starter, but I think Josh Palmer, you're going to see him. He's going to get starter snaps. They're going to he's going to be in there all the time. And I think some of that inside outside flexibility is going to allow them to to continue to move Keenan around so he doesn't get locked into one spot. So I, I think he's you know the fact they didn't draft one this year, I think shows you how confident they are in Josh Palmer. Daniel, this has been a debate that I've heard lately just as far as the expectations for the Chargers heading into the season. Now that you have Justin Herbert producing the way that he is, and of course the fact that he's still on his rookie contract, from an organizational standpoint with Telesco, with Staley, what is the bar that the, that as far as the expectations go that the team needs to achieve? And in a crazy AFC West division as far as getting to the next level, getting to the playoffs, what's the bar as far as success goes that should be ultimately successful that may be just outside of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two different ways to look at it. I think if you look at it from outside and, and you know, maybe that's us or the fans or whoever else, you know, what the expectation is, or maybe even it's around the league, the expectations are going to get in the postseason. You know, that's where it starts. That it's, This has to be a playoff team this year. But I think if you were to, you know, give truth serum to those inside that building. I think the expectation is to win a championship. And I, I think it's like this year that that is the expectation they have enough. I mean, when you look, when you look at that roster, you look at offense, defense, and special teams, they have enough to win a Super Bowl this year. Like that, that's, it's there. The, the people that they need are in that building. There's nothing, there's no spot where you say, Oh my gosh, they can't, you know, there's this, this is too big of a, this is too big of a weakness. They can't overcome that. Like, okay. Yeah. They got to sort out the right tackle position. They've got a couple guys that'll compete for that job. Um, I mean, outside of that, you're looking at some depth that they have at the corner position that they haven't had. Um, you're looking at a, a defensive front that's going to be able to roll guys through. You're looking at offensive line who I'd argue right tackle to I mean, right guard to left tackle might be the, you know, the best in the NFL or it's in that discussion in terms of the talent. You've got wideouts. You've got a now. You had the bigger back complement that you wanted to get. I mean, I don't know. This is this is the pieces are there for them to win a championship, and I guarantee you that's what the expectations are inside that building. But I think from the outside, I, I would probably say the expectation is how oh, this is a playoff team and and see where you go from there. Now to pick your brain a little bit outside of the Chargers, just given your long tenured career in the NFL, scouting, play by play, NFL draft analyst, what is it about the NFL? or the different stages of the off season or the regular season, or just in general that gets you juiced or excited to come into work every day. <laughs> well, I look to me, the, the cool thing about the NFL and we, we touched on it, you know, with the salary cap and with parody, the NFL, all, all 32 teams, when you start training camp, there is hope in every single one of them, you know, like this, this can happen and you can go from worst to first. We see it every year. Um, so you can make that monumental leap. And, I've just always been, you know, enamored with the team building process and how 
you bring in these new pieces and solve problems and, and you do that in all these different phases of the off season. So to me, once you get to training camp, it's like, we've had, we've had uh, you know, free agency season where we've had free agency frenzy. We've done all the shows. We've talked about it. We've done the combine, which led up to the draft. We've, we've talked about that. Um, you know, you talk about the different quarterback movement and the trades that have taken place. All those things have their own little moments in the off season. But until we get to training camp, we don't get to see all of it come together and see this new version of this new team. So, you know, as fun as the as the playoffs are and the Super Bowl is, my my favorite time on the NFL calendar is when I go out and visit, you know, 10 training camps. And you're like, oh, my gosh, OK, now I saw Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. Now he is, you know, with the Jets and there's Brees Hall. And, you know, that that to me is the is the fun thing when you see those teams come together. I love it. DJ Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter as well as the podcast. DJ, thank you so much for hopping on the show with us. This honestly has been a pleasure. Uh, more golden nuggets from you than either one of us can give in two years. So we'll thank it. Well, thank you for that, obviously. Uh, you're a friend of the show. Thank you so much for hopping on. Anything you want to tell the good people of Chargers Unleashed before we get you out of here? Oh, gosh. Uh, I will say... Man, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out at the stadium. If you haven't been out yet, if you've just watched the games on TV, get get out to SoFi. You got to experience it. You guys have done it. It's 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 unbelievable. And I think this team is going to be a it's going to be a team you're going to want to watch. And it gets it gets rocking in there, so it'll be fun. Awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. You're a friend of the show. Welcome anytime. Have a rest of the afternoon, and we will talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's do it again. All thank right. You. Thank you.